Uh, thank you all for joining us to the second session of What Does the Divine Image Look Like? Perspectives from Chazal. So we hope uh, today's session will be co considering two discussions in Chazal that connect humanity's creation and the divine image to issues of race and religion. Uh, this class offers a close reading of the Sugiot and their interpreters aiming to better understand this timely and timeless definition of humanity. So uh, please get ready for what I think will be an intellectually challenging and interesting conversation. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zakir. As you may recall from last week, Rabbi Zakir is the Director of Education at Drisha, and he teaches in our Dr. Beth Samuels High School program and Summer Kolo, as well as our other Drisha program. A postdoctoral fellow in Jewish studies at McGill University, Dr. Zakir received his, his PhD in ancient Judaism at Yale University and was a member of Yeshiva University's Orthodox, uh, Yeshiva University's Kolo Elyon. Previously, Rabbi Zakir, Rabbi Zakir served as the director of the Orthodox Union's Jewish Learning Initiative on campus at Yale University. Uh, he is also an alumnus of Yeshiva Haratzion and Reitz, as well as that of Wexner and Tikva Fellowship. He has lectured and taught widely across North America, as well as Yale Divinity School, Yeshiva University, the Tikva Fund, and the Note Sinai. the founder of the Lair House, and he serves as the, on the editorial committee of Tradition and has edited two books on contemporary Jewish thought. So I know I am definitely not the only person who is excited for this class. So uh, without further ado, Rabbi Zakir, please take it away. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Yehudis. And... Uh... Uh, it's wonderful to be with all of you. Again, for those who can have the video on, it's always good to see each other's Tselem uh, Elohim, as as it were, uh, and it's also even topical. Um, all right, so let's just quickly summarize what we looked at last week. I think some of you were here and some of you not. Um, so last week we looked at uh, some of the, we looked primarily at the Psukim at, at, uh, in, in last week's Parsha and Parsha's Precious about this idea of Tselem Elohim, and we tried to closely analyze both how to read those Psukim and also the, the broader questions of what exactly is Tselem Elohim uh, and, and who does it apply to? Um, but uh, is, it, is it saying something about uh, humanity's spiritual nature? Is it something about their intellectual capacity? Uh, is it, does it actually relate to the look, the, the image that people are cast in uh, being similar to the image of God? And what would that mean? Does God have an image? Uh, maybe it's the image that God reveals uh, God's self to us throughout history. So a bunch of different interpretations there. Um, and uh, this week, we're going to sort of move it a step for, uh, forward. I mean, whatever exactly Tselem Elohim is, uh, how is it deployed? And uh, last week, we quickly mentioned something from uh, Parshas Noah, uh, which we just read uh, yesterday, this idea of shofeich dam ha'adam, ba'adam damo yishafeich, that one who, who kills, one who murders, uh, they themselves will be killed by, uh, by humanity. Because God created... Adam or humanity in the divine image, and uh, this this uh, this year is going to look at, at uh, how a couple of ways in which that pasuk is deployed. We're not going to be focusing on uh, the issue of murder and the death penalty and all that, but really the broader issue of why uh, why exactly this applies and how it applies, and, and uh, primarily who it applies to, uh, because right the context of Tzelem Elokim both in Parshas Bereshis we're talking about Adam the original. Uh, person uh, who was created, and in Parshas Noah, where it's talking to Noah and his descendants, it sounds like uh, it's pretty broad, right? It sounds like it applies to literally all of humanity, all of humanity, all descendants of Adam, all descendants of Noah are created B'Tselem Elohim. We're going to see when this source is deployed in Chazal, and the way it's interpreted by some later sources, there's a little bit of a dispute as to who exactly it applies to. So we're going to look into that, um, both to find uh, some, some uh, I think, uh, very interesting and important and powerful formulations within Chazal, and to see some of the range of interpretations that these texts uh, have enjoyed throughout, uh, throughout their interpretive history. Um, so again, we're going to look at, as, as Yehuda said, we're going to look at two uh, primary sources. One's going to be a Mishnah in Avos, primarily centered around the phrase, Chaviv Adam, Shenivra B'Tselem, uh, Adam, or humanity, is beloved because it's created in the image, in the divine image. And then uh, a Mishnah in Sanhedrin, actually also talking about, uh, about the death penalty and talking about uh, how one relates to witnesses, the sort of uh, discussion one has with witnesses before they uh, testify in capital cases and how that ties into the story of Adam uh, and maybe also to this question of the death penalty. So we're gonna look at both of those sources uh, and, and their interpreters. So without further ado, let me, uh, let me share 
the uh, the handout. Again, you have it yourselves if you prefer looking at it on your own. Um, but you also will have the shared screen. In any event, let's let's jump right in. So let, let's read this uh, this Mishnah, Mishnah and Avos, and uh, the previous Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva started talking. So this is a continuation of Rabbi Akiva's statement. Hu haya Omer. Rabbi Akiva would say the following: Chaviv Adam Shenivra Right, uh, Adam or humanity is beloved because it's created in the image, in presumably the divine image. Chiba Yaseron Odaslo, he has, uh, he, Adam, had this additional belovedness made known to him, Shinivra B'Tselem, namely that he was created in the image. Shenemar, B'Tselem Elohim, Asa, Esha Adam, that he was created in the divine image, right? That's some additional, uh, an, an additional aspect. Um, of uh, 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 that, that somehow added here, and one of the things the interpreters are going to discuss is what's this double language, right? Chaviv and then Chibiyasera, being beloved, and then this additional belovedness. What exactly is added from one time to the next? Um, so that's one question. But let's continue uh, just to make things a bit more complicated. The Mishnah continues: Chaviv in Yisrael, Shenikru Banim Lamakom, right? Uh, Yisrael, Israel, the Jewish people are beloved because they're considered, they're called children to the omnipresent to Hashem. Uh, they have this extra belovedness and made known to them that they're known as uh, children to, uh, to Hashem your children to Hashem your God and then a third statement again Israel is beloved they were given these uh, beloved uh, utensils or beloved items uh, presumably the Torah this additional belovedness that the world was created with uh, namely the Torah. I've given you a great uh, gift uh, or a great teaching, depending how you understand that. My Torah, you shouldn't leave. So uh, a couple of issues here, right? That, that's a funny structure. There's three different teachings here, each of which has a double formulation. And uh, and apparently the first statement, the statement about Chaviv uh, Adam applies to all of humanity, whereas Chaviv in Yisrael apparently applies just to the Jewish people. That's what it sounds like if you just read this, right? So, uh, um, so that that's one one uh, yeah one interesting point is the the sort of the relationship between these different these different levels and why are, are they building on one another or not and what's the relation between them is it really true that the first line is about all of humanity and the later lines are about just the Jewish people um, so a, a few of these interpretive questions come up again we're going to be focused primarily on the question of uh, does it apply to B'nai Israel. Uh, to all of humanity. And again, if you ask someone, you know, Pashat Shat, the simple reading of this Mishnah says, Chaviv Adam, right? All of humanity. But let's look at now at some, at some interpretations uh, that, uh, you know, some will go in that direction and some will uh, complicate things a bit. So source number two here, Shadal, uh, in his commentary on the Torah, on these Psukim in, in uh, Parshas Noah, and he refers to the original reference of Selim Kim. He says, The Torah is giving some status and honor to Adam. Whatever nation, whatever nationality, whatever race. Just like Rikiva says, That includes all nations. Then the Jewish people have this additional, uh, additional status that they're children to the omnipresent. They're Hashem's children, so to speak. One thing to learn out from this is that uh, murdering a non-Jew is biblically prohibited from that passage. All humans are in the divine image, therefore murdering any person, Jewish or not, is biblically prohibited. And the same, the same prohibition comes out of the Mishnah. This status of being in the divine image is not special to Jews. It applies to all to all humanity, therefore murder is always biblically prohibited, mishnaically prohibited, etc. I think this is probably the straightforward reading of the Mishnah. Right again, if you're not if you're not trying to complicate things, that's what seems to come out of the Mishnah. Um, fine. And let's look now at uh, the Magin Avos, the the commentary of the Rashbats or the Tashbates, um, which uh, helps clarify a couple of points in our Mishnah before we look at some uh, dissenting views. So he writes, "Huya Omer Aperush Kachulashon." Our Mishnah plan is slightly different. Uh, a language in uh, in the Mishnah that he points to, um, fine, and he makes this he makes the point that this idea of 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 uh, no daslo, of being known, of being informed, 
um, that it, it makes it the uh, If someone does something good to their friend and doesn't tell them about it, that's less significant than if you actually tell them. Right? If you do your friend a favor and you never actually tell them it was you, that's not as full of a favor as if you let them know that it was you. And that, that obviously builds the relationship more. As we say, you're supposed to tell your friend when you give them a gift. And this explains the double language in the Mishnah. There's two levels. The no being informed, is the second level. So the fact that Adam is created in the divine image, that's a first level of uh, divine love that's shown towards him. And the fact that Adam is informed of that, or that we're informed of that in the Torah, is that additional level of, uh, of respect or love that Hashem shows. The gift itself. Um, and That's the teaching there. Um, and that's, he follows Rabbeinu Yonah. He likes that interpretation. He gives another option, though. The, this repetitive language of being created in the image, being created in the image, saying that twice, is to show the increased love, how much love there is, to emphasize it. Um, it's, it's so many levels of, of love, it just repeats it again and again. Um, fine. And uh, he has an alternate gear, so that's also very interesting uh, in the underlying piece here. According to this reading, the three levels are building on one another, right? There's three different levels, and that's why uh, this Yesera, this language of Yesera, one is more than the next. It's to show that each one is building on the next one. It's not three separate points. They have nothing to do with each other. No, they're each building one on the other. So let's hold on to that thought. That's an important piece of this. You don't have to read the mission that way, but if you do, it will, it will raise some interesting questions about the level of, different levels potentially, of Tselem Elohim, um, and what exactly that would mean. But so far, we've seen only people who talk about how this applies generally to all humanity. Um, however, the Medrash Shmuel, again, another commentary in Avos, he's going to quote some Kabbalistic sources that have a different approach. If you recall from last, uh, last week, we saw Kabbalistic sources wanted to minimize the degree to which uh, Tzalem Elohim applies to all of humanity. They said maybe it only applies, we saw in the Kuzari, maybe it only applies to Adam, and then a select few. Adam passes it on to Shais, passes it on to Enosh, maybe to Noah, to, to Yaf, to Avram, and then the Jewish people. Maybe it doesn't, Tzalem Elohim doesn't fully branch out. We'll see something similar here, this idea of, of chosenness, not just meaning that uh, Jews have an extra, uh, an extra uh, uh, set of responsibilities in the world, or an extra charge, but that actually their humanity is qualitatively different. So this is a Kabbalistic idea. As I mentioned last week, some may find it uh, troubling, but we should, we should see it and appreciate it uh, for what it is. Um, so source number four, uh, he, in the middle of his commentary, he says, Rashbi He's referring here, right, the Zohar, uh, attributed to Rashbi, uh, and their friends and other Kabbalists. They have this, he was talking about this idea before about how uh, about a month before a person dies, they lose their divine image, which is interesting, um, because otherwise, how could you, right, there's a, a philosophical problem. How can anyone die if they're in the divine image that's destroying God's image? That's prohibited. That how, how could the world exist such that when people died, God's image was destroyed? So the answer is, a month before you die, you lose your divine image. Okay, and now this sort of slips in. By the way, this whole idea of Tzalem Elohim only applies to a nation that's uh, to a nation that, that 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 truly has it, namely Yisrael, namely the Jewish people. But evildoers don't have the divine image; they have the image of Samael, this uh, this demon, uh, uh, semi uh, demigod of sorts, and uh, we we know Samael is discussed in uh, many many places. Ramban talks about him and other midrashim. So Samael is this, uh, this demon, and if you're an evildoer, you're not in the divine image, you're in the image of Samael. Wow. So if he had this point that only the Jewish people are B'Tzal Melkim, so that obviously goes against Shad in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Chaviv Adam, it doesn't say Chaviv in Yisrael. And we know the Mishnah knows how to say Chaviv in Yisrael because 
The next two lines in the Mishnah say, Chaviv Yisrael, Shikru So why is the first line talking about Adam instead of Yisrael if it's not meant to be universal? No, it's not talking about Adam, meaning humanity. It's talking about Adam, meaning Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon was created in the divine image, and that shows that he was beloved, and that he passes that on to the Jewish people. Other righteous people who follow in Adam's path uh, are similarly in the divine image. They're in this holy image. All Jews, of course, are tzaddikim following in Adam's path. What about the Pasuk? That's talking about all the sons of Noah. It's not talking about Adam or Noah. No, no. When you say that uh, uh, Hashem created Adam in the Tzalm Elkim, when, tell, when talking about the prohibition of murder, that's not talking about Noahides, Bnei Noach. She'im kein ha'achi ha'yelo lomar ki b'Tzalm Elkim na'asa o asa'o. My asa is Adam. Why are we talking about Adam here? Adam has nothing to do with it. We're talking about Bnei Noach. We're talking about after the Mabul. Why are we talking about Adam? El kavan sa'kazuhu shovech dam Adam v'hu dam ben Noach ba'Adam. Komar be'edim, etc. We'll skip that piece. Adam o yishafech. Right, the idea is if you kill someone, you get the death penalty. So why? Because Adam HaRishon, the first person, was created in the divine image. That's why all murder is prohibited. Okay. Uh, and he says, Because you're killing someone who looks similar to Adam HaRishon. Right? So Adam HaRishon is created in the divine image. Other non-Jews are not in the divine image, but they do actually look like Adam Arishon. I should never have someone like him. So it's like two steps removed, right? Um, humans, all humans look like Adam somewhat. Adam was created in Selma Kim, therefore it's prohibited to kill any human, even though they themselves don't have Selma And that's why it repeats it uh, in, in the Mishnah to, to connect back first the first to Adam, and then to all people. So this is, again, a very, uh, a very creative reinterpretation of the mission. That's not what the mission sounds like it means. It sounds like the mission is talking about Adam, meaning all of humanity. All of humanity are in the divine image. And Jews have, uh, they're also they're considered children. There's this extra level. But this is how uh, Kabbalistic texts, or at least some Kabbalistic texts, read our mission and read the Pesukim. Because, uh, again, if you're committed to this idea that somehow there is some inherent uh, superiority to Jewish people, um, you you can't you can't uh, you know it's hard to say that everyone has the same Selim How could that be? It must be non-Jews don't have Selim but they look like Adam, so they have that at least. They look like Adam was Selim but they themselves are not in the divine image, and that's why it's still prohibited to kill them, even though this Mishnah has actually nothing to do with non-Jews. So again, a very creative reading. Doesn't seem like that's what the Mishnah is saying, uh, and probably troubling to those of us who don't uh, prefer. Um, uh, you know, Jewish superiority theologies, but it's just good to know that this is this is the teaching. It's a fairly standard teaching um, that uh, goes back to the Zohar. I think someone else quoted this. I saw in the name of the Ari, uh, a fairly uh, standard view within that Kabbalistic worldview. And again, it ties into the Kuzari that we saw last time uh, as well uh, as part of that broader worldview. We have more more commentaries here, but let's pause for a second. Um, uh, any uh, and I because I'm on screen share, it's hard for me to see the uh, the chat. There were there were a few questions actually posted from Facebook. Okay. I had shared them with you on the chat, but if you want, um, I could read them off, or if you would like, you can read them your, on your. Oh uh, yeah, your well side. now that now that I, I just turned off momentarily the screen share, I'll, I'll read them. So uh, okay, questions: Is there tell that came in non-human animals? No, I didn't see anyone who talks about the divine image in animals. Um, although it's interesting, we saw last time the approach that. Tzalmokim means free will. There is a machlokas whether animals have free will or not among some Rishonim uh, and uh, Geonim and whatnot. So I guess in theory, if you said that animals have free will and Tzalmokim means free will, maybe you would say animals have free will, but I haven't seen anyone stake out that position. Um, on this view in the Mishnah, before the giving of the Torah, how was Tzalmokim manifested? Um, uh, I mean, Tzalmokim, if you think it's limited to Jews, it's still applied. It wasn't limited to Jews in terms of people having the Torah. It would be limited to the line of Jews, starting from Avram, and between Adam and Avram was passed on to the select few as well, as the Kuzari uh, said we saw last time. 
Um, does the view of loss of Tamil came in the month before death, meaning that murder or withdrawing treatment uh, is, is more permitted? That's an interesting idea. I didn't see that when I was looking into this, although that does ring a bell. So I wonder if, if that idea does come up, it'll be worth looking into. Any other questions from, from, anyone, uh, from anyone here on, on the Zoom call about anything we've seen so far? Um, seem pretty interesting things and creative and uh, maybe even troubling things. Um, so everyone's invited to comment. If not, we'll, we'll go back uh, to more sources. Okay, um, well again, feel free to jump in, but we're, we're gonna go back to the share screen so everyone can, uh, can follow together. Um, and we'll look at some other, uh, a couple more commentaries on this and then move on to the next source. So the, uh, the Teferis Yisrael, Yisrael Lifshitz, uh, in his commentary, Yachin and Boaz, he has some very interesting things to say on this Mishnah um, that, uh, that help, may help frame it a bit. So he, he uh, source, uh, right source number five here, Kaviv Adam, nearly Deha Adam Garcinan, Dainu Afilu Akam, right? So there's a bit of a textual question. Is it Kaviv Adam, Shinib Rebetalim, or Kaviv Ha'adam? Where, where the way he's reading it, Adam could be just Adam Arishon, the first, you know, first man, Adam. Whereas Kaviv Ha'adam, that's referring to like the class of Adam, meaning the class of humanity, all humans. So he reads it, Kaviv Ha'adam, meaning all humans are beloved because they're created in the divine image. Um, and he makes the simple the simple uh, interpretive point we made before that if you have three lines, one of them says Adam, the other two say Israel, probably the other one refers to all humanity. And the other two are just for the Jewish people. The Pasuk also, we're talking to the Noachites, we're talking to Bnei Noach. Obviously, it's talking to all people and not just to the Jewish people. And uh, find other other proof texts as well in terms of Tzel Malkin. So that's just a, a baseline in terms of how to read the source. And now to explain it, Chavim Adam Shneiver B'Tzelem. What is Tzel Malkin? Hainu Koch Sichli Chavshi Ba'al Bechira. Intelligence and free will, as we saw in a couple of sources last week. Right, just like God has free will, so too humans in the divine image have free will. Here's his view that animals don't have free will. Both animals and angels. Animals lack free will, I guess, because of diminished intellectual capacity. Angels lack free will because that's just how they're designed. They're, they're very smart, but they always follow uh, God's commands. So only humans have free will, and therefore only humans are B'Tselem uh, In his interpretation, again, there are others. Right, the interpretation we saw that Hashem informs Adam or informs humanity that they're created in the divine image. That's this additional love. Um, and now, right, Noach was told this. Adam wasn't necessarily right. If you read Gracious Perak Aleph, you know, the, the narrator tells us this, or the narrator tells us that Hashem said, but no biblical character is told. But in Arshas Noach, in yesterday's laning, um, Noah is told in the, the set of commands after the Bible, he's told, he's told explicitly that people are created uh, in, in the divine image. And similarly for the next Pasuk, right? As the Mishnah says, uh, the, the, the mitzvah is, uh, the mitzvah of not, uh, not uh, cutting oneself in mourning, is you, Israel, are children to Hashem your God. So we're, B'nai Israel are told that, right? So the point here is we're informed of it in the biblical story, and in this case, Noach is informed that he's in the divine image, he's created in the divine image, and that creates additional love. And he says, the Pesukim embraces, um, the Pesukim embraces, no one, no human is told that, only Noach is told that we're created in the divine image, um, and find that shows an additional love. Jumping to the bottom, little piece, Tzadi Gimel, and this is the, maybe the most interesting piece. Um, Right, the, the next paragraph. The Jewish people are beloved because they're considered, they're called sons to God. They're God's children. So what does that mean? All nations are beloved because they have Tzomelkim, period. It's possible if they're extremely evil, they'll lose the divine image. Now there's shades, there's echoes of what we saw in the Kabbalistic sources, but with an important difference. There, what we saw was all Jews are presumed to be righteous. All non-Jews are presumed to be not righteous. And that's why they don't have Tzalem Whereas here, the presumption is everyone is Tzalem but it's possible, if one's a, a major sinner, it's possible to 
forfeit one's divine image. You shouldn't look at the face of an evil person. Because he has this evil spirit that's resting on him. Definitely a, a Gentile who's evil. But what about a Jew? The second level of being called children uh, to God. Even if they're uh, bowing down to idolatry, they retain this belovedness even if they sin. Um, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, they're so they're so similar to their father, to God, that they can't lose that selim. So the 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 Teres Yisrael has an interesting idea that Jew that that basically what comes out is being banim lamakom is like a higher level in a sense of being b'tzelim. Right now, think of it this way: all humans look somewhat alike, right? We all look somewhat alike because we're all the same species. We're all humans. Uh, a father and son, or mother and daughter, look much more alike, right? You and maybe you can say, I don't know, uh, give a mushal. If a person gets very dirty, or I don't know, it starts crawling on all fours, you might be able to look at them and say, you know, this is not the same. You know, we're not we're not related. We're not from the same species. They really change the way they look significantly. But if you have a uh, parent and child with the same exact face, it's really hard to say I'm not related to this person anymore. Because at the end of the day, your face just looks so similar. Uh, you have that genetic connection that uh, you can't lose that. And I think that something similar to that mushal, you know, or maybe it's more than a mushal, is what the Tiferes Yisrael is saying here. That all humans are B'Tselem Elohim. They're all in that same general pattern. But Yisrael are, in a sense, more B'Tselem Elohim. Um, and the, the, the nafkamina, as it were, the, the difference that that makes is that uh, it's only possible, even if one's a major sinner, for a Jew, you can never forfeit that. For a non-Jew, it is possible to forfeit that. So this is sort of a middle path and a very interesting one um, where, uh, you know, he's not, he certainly is very much on board that all humans are created with Selma Kim and doesn't want to give that up. At the same time, he still wants to have some special aspect um, that uh, that Jews have, um, this idea of Tselem. And uh, I guess there's probably a couple different ways of formulating it that may make a real difference, especially for people concerned on, on the... Uh, on the discriminatory angle, but I just thought this was an interesting middle path of sorts, that, that the Mishnah actually points to a sliding scale. There's different levels of Tselem, and every human is B'Tselem Elohim, although some people can lose it if they, if, they, uh, if they go off the deep end, if they do too many Averos, whereas Jews can't because there's this greater level of, of Tselem Elohim, because it's Banim, being children to Hashem. Um, okay, so let's see, a couple more a couple, I got a couple more chat questions. Everyone else is, of course, uh, uh, invited to ask more questions. We finished section one. Um, fine, one question. Um, yes. Uh, some of these I may understand more than others, but one is how does Chavivos translate to Tzalem Elohim? Or what's the connection between belovedness and the divine image, which is a good question. Um, so it seems like the, the, the way that Tzalem Elohim is reading the Mishnah is that um, is it's connecting these things. So being B'tselem Elohim and being Banim Lamakom are on the same scale, right? Being a child of God is just a higher level of being B'tselem Elohim. And those both translate to Chavivas because we always have a certain affinity for people who are like us, for people who are, right, uh, you're more likely to help a human being who's in, in trouble than a, an animal who's in trouble, hopefully. And you're more likely to help a close relative who's in trouble then a different human is in trouble, right? That's the idea of chavivas. We're more connected, we're closer, we're more likely to help. So uh, the the reading of the Tzfarisi Yisrael is that both Tzalem Elokim and Banim Lamakom are on the same spectrum. Um, fine. Okay, and now Fran's question. These commentaries seem to tell us the benefits, but not the inherent definition of what it is that makes us in the image of God. Um, is it our... And I lost the rest of the question. But um, right, what is it that makes people B'Tselem Elohim? So this is what we talked about last week a little bit, right? That uh, it could be intelligence. It could be the idea of having a soul. It could be free will. It could be some image, some actual appearance. But, um, you know, for this mission, I think that's, that's I mean, that's a, it's a relevant question. But it's not, the question we're asking right now is, is a slightly different one, which is, who does this apply to? And, uh, um, yeah, so it sounds like the approaches that distinguish Jews from non-Jews, it has to be some sort of spiritual thing. Because, right, uh, what would it mean? that, uh, you know, genetically Jews look more like God. What would that exactly mean? It's not exactly clear. Um, the simplest way to say it would be that there's some spiritual aspect of God, or the chelik kami mal, the divine spark, 
in the human soul or that is the human soul that differs from Jews to non-Jews. That's presumably what the Kabbalistic approach would say. Okay, and a Facebook question I was just sent. Does the view of the Teferis Yisrael entail that people with advanced dementia lose their Tzal Melakim? Okay, this is a really important question. Um, and actually, I think, uh, quick plug, my, uh, my colleague, uh, uh, Dr. Sam Liebens, is giving a class, I think, on issues relating to that um, in, in the second half of the fall. So, yeah, it's an important question. It's an important question in philosophy of, you know, I mean, to the extent some people talk about divine image, we talk about human dignity or whatever it is that makes uh, killing a person bad uh, in philosophy. So does that get lost when the person loses their, uh, their capacity to make decisions? Or on the other side, a baby, right? You know, a, a newborn has no, not no real capacity to make any decision or really do much at all. So do those uh, people at those stages in their lives, do they lose their personhood? Do they lose their Talmud al-Kim? The standard view is not, certainly within halacha, the view is not. Um, you don't lose it. Um, because because the species of humanity has Tzalem that sort of applies across the board. Why exactly that is? Is it like a low plug? Is sort of an absolute rule? Is it because um, we somehow define your divine image based on the species? Is it something else? Is the divine image less about intelligence and more about you know being in the human form in some sense? A lot of different approaches. We're not going to get into those issues. Those are, I'd say, applied questions that build on some of the things we're looking at, um, but it's a very important question to raise. Any other questions? Other people want to raise either in the chat or uh, or verbally. Um, we can talk about that, uh, and then we can uh, we can move on. Anything uh, anything else from anyone? I think you've just touched on this, but I'm curious if the commentators talk about what would it mean to lose, like if if we're if we're understanding one one idea of the image of God to be free will, what would it mean to lose free will? Is that anything that anyone gets into? Um, well, you, you don't mean like phenomenologically, what would it mean to lose free will? You mean like- I'm wondering if the commentators talk about like, if, if we're understanding B'Tselem Elohim to be free will, do the, any of the commentators talk about like what the, cause there seems to be an idea of like, you can lose, you know, like a month before you die, you lose this, this image. But is there any like concrete discussion of like what that would actually entail to lose free will? Um, I didn't see it. I, I, I would assume it exists somewhere, but um, maybe not on the comments on this Mishnah. But yeah, that's worth that's worth looking into, right? To, if one wanted to flesh out in further detail this Kabbalistic idea and the full, uh, you know, the full details of it, that would be a good place to look. Um, yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. So then let's move now to our second uh, primary source, uh, our Mishnah in Sanhedrin, and we'll. Um, yeah, we'll read the whole Mishnah to give it a little context, although part of the Mishnah is more important, is more directly relevant to our issue than others. But this is talking about what happens, how you, it's basically court procedure, right? You need generally in Jewish law, you need two witnesses to establish things of, uh, you know, of uh, certainly things of a certain severity and uh, including capital cases. If you want to try someone and give them the death penalty, you need two witnesses to attest to them doing the crime. So before they, they offer their testimony, we have this thing called um, we threaten or we scare the witnesses. So this is what our mission is talking about. How do we scare the witnesses? For, for capital cases. They would say the following. Maybe your testimony is based on an estimation rather than actual witnessing or based on a rumor or based on word of mouth or based on what you heard from a trustworthy person. Or maybe... Uh, maybe you don't realize that we're going to cross-examine you in great detail. In case you're not sure, in case you you haven't fully appreciated any of these things, right? monetary cases and uh, capital cases are not alike. If you testify falsely in a, in a monetary case, you can always pay the money and uh, acquit yourself of what you did wrong. Though, if you testify falsely in a, in a capital case and someone dies, that person and the blood or the blood of that person and the blood of all their descendants, it, it sort of hangs on you. You're responsible for it uh, until the end of the world, meaning the entire line of this person, or let's say until the end of time, this person will have a billion descendants. Um, you're responsible for killing a billion people if you falsely testify uh, against someone and they get the death penalty. This is exactly what we saw with Cain. Again, recent parshas, last week's parsha, he killed his brother. 
Tokim Elam Adama, the voice of the bloods, plural, Dmei, not Dam, Dmei Achicha, are calling out from the ground. Eino Omer Dam Achicha, El Dmei Achicha. Why did it say the plural, the bloods of your brother are calling out? Why? Dam Ovid Dam Zariosav. It's not only his blood, it's the blood of all his descendants. We never know, we, we will never know who the descendants of Hevel are, but presumably if Adam had three children and, uh, you know, they populated the earth, um, at least until Noah, uh, we, there could have been a whole other line from Hevel. Hevel had no children uh, because he was killed at a young age. Um, fine, so that's, so that's, that's one interpretation of Dmei another interpretation. Or maybe Dmei in the plural, because it wasn't just like one pool of blood. The blood, when he was killed, was sort of, uh, it spurted out, it was in all different places. Fine, so that's, this is the warning, or at least the beginning of the warning that we tell the witnesses. And now we continue. We say, This is why Adam was created, Adam, this clearly seems to be Adam Arishon, right? The first person was created, Yechidi, alone, presumably, right? Uh, the, right uh, unlike other creatures. Adam was created just Adam, and then Chava came after, and then their descendants came after. Uh, we'll see a couple of different approaches to this, but Adam is created alone. This teaches that anyone who kills a, a life from Israel, of Israel, and we're going to see that word is very tricky, but let's leave it in for now because it's in most printed texts today. Whoever destroys a life among the Jewish people, it's as if you destroyed a whole world. If you, if you uh, support, if you, uh, if you protect a life uh, in Israel, it's as if you protected a whole world. Right? And the logic here is clear. Right? The whole world started from one person. All humans who exist descended from Adam. So saving a person's life, that's equivalent to saving Adam. And saving Adam is equivalent to saving the whole world. So anytime you save a life, you've saved the whole world. Anytime you kill a life, uh, unjustly, you've destroyed a whole world. So that's one reason why Adam was created alone, just Adam. That's one reason, right? So this, this, to emphasize this idea that saving a life or taking a life is like saving or taking an entire world. That's one reason. Another reason, it's also for peace among the creations. And if we knew that uh, people actually descended from different original humans, let's say there was five original humans, and there were five different tribes, so you can always say, well, you know, my founding father was greater than your founding father. Um, and a third reason, let's say two humans have been created, um, right? And, uh, and then the world descended from them. So you might say dualism, right? Or you might say, or whatever, or multiple, there's multiple authorities. There's multiple powers in the world. God one created Adam and God two created whoever else created uh whatever you want to call it, Lilith, or whatever other being existed at the beginning. Um, you can say there's two different gods. There's a good god and an evil god, or a powerful, more powerful and a less powerful god. And this is not theoretical. The mission is writing this around the year 200. At that time, there were many Christians, many early Christians, who actually believed in dualism, who had this idea of Harbei different different gods that created different parts of humanity. So they're, they're directly responding in that, to that in context. Um, and another reason why others created alone, Lahagid Zulaso Shalkarosh and now things are going to get more clearly tied to Tzal Melkim, to show God's greatness. A person usually, if they want to mint multiple coins in one form, right, in one like minting, uh, minting press thing, um, they'll all look the same, right? If you ever looked at coins, they're all minted in the same way, they all look identical. That's how humans work. But Hashem, all humans are created in the form of Adam Arishon. We all have that same human uh, uh, form. But no one looks similar to anyone else. Or you can distinguish all people, maybe with the exception of identical twins or something like that. But you can distinguish all people from one another, despite the fact that we're all, we are all stamped from the same uh, press, so to speak. And now another lefikach, another therefore. Everyone needs to say the world was created for them, because they stem from Adam Arishan, who was created alone, right? Adam was created by himself, so we're all, we're all following in Adam's path. We have to say we are created ourselves, independent for our, everything for us. Uh, we'll see exactly what that means. And now we, we did a little bit of like uh, creation theology. Now shift back to the Adam, back to the witnesses. 
the Shema, now we're back talking to them. In the middle here, we may have diverged. Not all of this was necessarily part of the warning. But back to the witnesses. The Shema Tomru, Ma'alanu You might say, okay, well, it's not worth testifying now because it's such high stakes. If I'm, if I'm wrong, I'll be condemning this person to death and their whole line. I could be condemning millions and millions of people to death. It's not worth testifying. Don't say that. Fellow Karnemar, who ate over Oyada, the Torah says, if you're a witness and you know, if you don't testify, you bear your sins. You have to testify, according to the Torah. So don't, don't run away from it. If you're worried about being guilty uh, of this person dying, if they actually are guilty of the crime, if you're worried about your part in killing them, no, it's actually good for evil people to die. So you don't need to feel bad if they're actually guilty. If you actually saw them murder this person, you should have a very clean conscience testifying uh, that they did that uh, in order for them to, uh, to get the death penalty that they deserve. There's a lot going on in this Mishnah. We're going to see some of it's discussed in commentaries. But maybe before we do that, um, I'd be happy to take some thoughts, reflections, uh, discussion from people um, on, on this Mishnah. And one thing to keep in mind as you're coming up with your questions or thoughts is what, to what extent does this Mishnah have to do with Salam Elohim? I think definitely that last line or the second to last line there about God creating Adam, everyone in the form of Adam, but there still being differences, that sounds pretty Tzalem Elohim related, especially if you remember from last week, this idea that, um, right, Tzalem and Admus, and the discussion of what the details of that were, some of the commentaries talk about how, um, how uh, it's really this form, right, like, like what you mint a coin in this, in this uh, you know, in the mint that has a certain form, and then you just pop out all the coins, so we're, we're working with that model, we're working with that idea of Tzalem Elohim, with the complication that not all people look the same, despite the fact that they're all minted with Selim Elohim, and that shows an additional level of God's greatness. So is that the only piece of our Mishnah that has to do with Selim Elohim, or do other pieces relate to Selim Elohim as well? All right, I see someone sent me a private chat question. So does not the universality of the idea that we all come from Adam Rishon become attenuated by the superiority of the Jewish people in the previous section? Okay, so that's going back on what we saw before. Um, and certainly, right, the, 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 the Kabbalistic view and even the Pharisee Israel's view that see, uh, that see people as, as see, you know, uh, that see B'nai Israel as having a higher level or really exclusive rights to Tzalem Elohim, of course, that attenuates the idea of, of Tzalem Elohim uh, or this, this idea of this Mishnah that we all come from Adam, right? This Mishnah really sounds, at first glance, and maybe at last glance also, sounds very much universalistic with the tricky complication of What's the complication to the universalistic reading of our Mishnah? It only applies to Jews. Well, right. The, if, the, the text that we just read says, right? It specifies that the, the problem is with killing or saving a Jewish life. If you didn't have those words, the, the actual teaching, of course, it's within the context of Jewish law and whatnot, but the overall teaching sounds very general. The, the uh, problem of killing... Uh, Jew or non-Jew would seem to be would seem to be this uh, destroying a whole world or or saving a whole world if you save a life. So let's if, if there's no questions, let's jump back in uh, to the text or to the handout, and we're not going to go through all the details of this. But this is a sort of a classic article by uh, Ephraim Urbach, one of the early uh, academic scholars of Jewish thought or rabbinic thought, and he has an article on Kolomakai Nefesh Achas, development of the Virgin vicissitudes of censorship, and business manipulations of printers. So we're going to focus on the first part, not the part about like how in the early modern period different printers edited the text for different business and other reasons. We'll leave that aside. You're welcome to read the whole piece. You have the, you have the reference information here. But just quickly, he, he says, look, the Mishnah, as we have it in printed editions, seems to have the word Mishrael. But what about elsewhere? So he talks about uh, uh, the, the manuscripts of the Mishnah, and uh, the Kaufman Codex and Parma, Abraham Israel and Cambridge, right? Those are Kaufman's the most important Mishnah manuscript. These other two are also important Mishnah manuscripts. They don't have the word Israel. It's not in the Mishnah manuscripts. And then if you look in, in the manuscripts of the Rambam, uh, of the Mishnah with the commentary of the Rambam, Oxford, uh, which seems to be the Rambam's autograph, we seem to have his, his uh, handwriting on that. Um, and other, other texts, um, all he says here, also Bikulam, Ein Hamilam Israel. The word Yisrael doesn't apply, doesn't appear. And it sounds like they're talking generically, all killing any human life is a problem. And then he says, um, other manuscripts we have with the commentary of the Rambam, uh, Paris, Parma, or Parma de Rossi edition, 
Um, but Oxford and Berlin do have Mi Israel. And again, if you look in the Talmudic manuscripts, not just the Mishnah manuscripts, Yerushalmi manuscript, it, its text of the Mishnah doesn't have Mi Israel. Uh, Geniza also doesn't have what some other ones do. You can go into great detail about it. The basic picture, the big picture, is that um, there's overwhelming evidence that the original text did not include the word Mi Israel. The original text was Kol Me'ave Nefesh Achas Whoever destroys a life has destroyed the whole world. Whoever saves life has saved the whole world. And the text Yisrael is not originally there. And later censors put it in either because they were worried. Um, well, yeah, for, for business reasons or other reasons. Um, he goes into detail about that. If you want, you can look it up. For our purposes, though, it's important to know that the original mission did not have that. Um, and uh, I'm told that when uh, this, this Mishnah is quoted in Halachic Man, that uh, when Rai Soloveitchik was, was uh, working on the translation, he also so he wanted to be sure they quoted the proper text without, uh, without Mishra'el. So it's not, not just the academics, but also um, some uh, you know, recent, very prominent rabbis who accepted that girsa and, and all its implications. Um, fine. So that's, that's a very important piece of this, right? And, and the Mishnah is much more universalistic once you accept that. Um, let's, let's try to look at a couple of pieces, a couple of comments on our Mishnah in the, in the limited time we have to try to better appreciate this. Um, fine. And so looking at Rashi, Rashi on the Gemara, quoting, you know, the Gemara's uh, presentation of this Mishnah gives what you might say is basic pshad, a basic interpretation. He says this whole thing. We see that one person, from one person stems the whole world. This shows the importance of a human life, and you better be careful when testifying against them. Right? And Harbor Yashios, multiple gods, each one created their own first being. That's not true. That's why there's only one Adam. Um, fine. And uh, right, Lahagigdulaso, this additional factor, oh, another reason my Adam was created singular, the Haros Lodoros Abayim Gdulasos Gosh who to show God's greatness, Jabakosamarisha and Koladoros Tvuos, all later generations are sort of cast. In that first person, there was only one form from which uh, Adam was created, and right, the, the metal cast that you create the coin from, or the person from in this case. Um, and we saw last week, right, like took, God took the dirt, put it in the, in the cast, breathed into it, and then Adam pops out, or something like that. Um, fine, and whereas a person making coins, and they're all similar. For people, that's not true, and therefore one should say, I myself am valued as a whole world. I shouldn't do one sin. So Rashi here says this additional teaching here. This What does it mean? Uh, the world was created for me. Should that just mean ego, like I should take advantage of everyone because uh, I'm the only person that matters? No, it means you should have a sense of responsibility. The world was created just for you, so you better make good use of your life. Um, fine. And again, the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah says, similarly, Ha'adam Haminis, the human uh, species, Ashabah Adam, who Adam, who Bamashutafim, Kobane Adam, right? People are all partners, are all part, take part in this humanity. People have the same basic form, but they look different. Um, Fine, that's the, the meaning won't say there's multiple, multiple gods, and that's the approach of the Ramah here. Let's jump ahead to the Pharisee Israel, who says really a fascinating point. Um, and again, remember, this is, um, you know, in uh, 19th century, a little bit of a different context. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, just when you see some of the language, realize it's uh, talking in a very different context here than here. Um, fine, so first, Yechidi, what does this mean that Adam was created alone? So, it, I mean, on a simple level, it just means Adam was created before the rest of humanity, right? But he says... Asuke Milsa de Iumhu, right? This is a continuation or conclusion of this threat to those witnesses. So what is it saying? All other creatures, when God created the, the horses or the sheep or whatever, they were created a lot of males and a lot of females all at once. A whole species was created, a whole group. Someone made this point last week. Creating all the animals according to their species, meaning there were like subsets. There were different... Uh, Right? There, was, uh, uh, there were black sheep and white sheep and large horned sheep and small, whatever it is. But I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, 
much zoology. But you know, all the different subsets were created when the world was created. Limina according to their species, according to their subspecies. Humans weren't created a lot at once, like the animals. Adam was created, and then Chava was created from Adam, and that's it. That's the whole, and then the rest of the process was through reproduction, not through God creating more. Right? So God created only one person. From that person, from Adam came his wife Chava, and from them, through procreation, came the rest of humanity. So that's one important point, just in terms of reading the Pesukim. But now, this next piece is fascinating. Lachavero. Um, right, no person can say uh, every person is different than their their fellow. And he says, what does this mean? Lo levad not just in terms of appearance. There are people who are black, like uh, like a, a coal, Kikushi, and uh, his different uh, terms referring to them. Viesh levanim keshel, and the people who are white as snow. Again, I don't know what this first word is, but he says albinus, right? Albino, right? Uh, white like an albino. Right, in America, there are, are the natives have red skin. Again, I think nowadays we'd, we'd uh, see a lot of these lines and terms as racist. I think back then, that was just like the scientific uh, understanding uh, as they saw it. But obviously, uh, if, if the Paris Israel were writing today, he probably would update it uh, to include non-offensive terms. So that's what he, but his point is, there's different, there are different races in the world. There's, there's European, African, American, and they all have different uh, skin tone. But hard baby Tzvayim shown him and other other nationalities too. So what's going on with that? The Eishlomer, the Ali Neishahim Zel Paim Shana, the Aklimahu. You might say because these people have been for thousands of years in a different climate, Nishtana Tivam, their nature changed, and he doesn't get into uh, natural selection or other methods or whatever it is. But Seva Oram, right? Their nature and their skin color changed. The Nikru Mechazal, Kushi Lavkan Gichur, different references to different uh, uh, different uh, races in the Mishnah. Ella Afilu Hanoladim VeAklim Echad. So not only are there different races, which is clear, right? People in different living in different countries, uh, you know, with a long tradition in different countries look different than one another. But even within a country, people uh, people have uh, people look different from one another within a race. That's true as well. So what's what's really interesting here, and and Ferris Israel did know a fair amount about science, which is why he's he's able to get into these discussions, right? Uh, that that are you know reflect the science of the times. Um, but he's getting explicitly into issues of race. Meaning, our Mishnah is not just saying like, oh, all people are equal in some general sense, but all races are equal. All races can say, no one should be able to say, my race is better than your race. Because at the end of the day, despite the fact that due to whatever climate or other reasons, our, our species have diverged, at the end of the day, we all go back to the same Adam and to the same Salam Elohim. That's why the world was created with one person. That way, um, you know, to say, you know, to claim racial superiority is, is just a, a mistake, is a simple error because it doesn't appreciate the fact that we all go back to the same Adam Harishon. So a really, you know, an important idea, important, uh, I mean, to the extent that, that uh, you know, racial superiority, uh, supremacism is still an ideology that's alive today. This, I think, is a very important source, both the mission itself and the Deferis Yisrael's explanation is an important source within Jewish tradition to directly fight back and, and, and uh, disagree with, with that argument. Again, leaving aside the, uh, the terminology, um, which, uh, I think uh, would would presumably you know the first would be happy to update uh, if uh, if he were living today. Um, fine. So that's an important piece there. I guess uh, we have more to do, a lot more actually, but uh, we're not going to get to all of it. So if there are any questions now, it looks like there are. Um, let's see. Find the sort the PDF of the source sheet should be in the chat. That's there. Any other questions on the content here? Um, if not, let's go back. Let's look at a couple more, a couple more sources. We're not going to get to too much more, but uh, really fast, you know, a very super important text here. And um, um, yeah, so one, what we've seen this this Nivra Adam Yechidi point seems to be that Adam was created right alone, meaning only one human, and then more who came from it. The short show the value of one person. One person can create so many other people, and there's no distinction, etc. But the Yad Ramah, source 12 here, has a slightly different interpretation, um, which is the focus here on Yechidi is re- and this Bishvili Nivra Olam, the world was created for me. This stems from this idea, Adam. The whole creation on earth, all the animals and plants and everything, was just meant for Adam, for Adam Rishon, and for all of humanity. Meaning the whole world exists for humanity, and first, for one human, therefore we should be able to say 
whole world was created for me. And, and again, in the sense of having great responsibility, right? And that's what he spells out. The world was created just for me. There's high stakes. I better not do Averas. I better be, uh, you know, uh, live properly. He doesn't love the formulation of the Mishnah according to that idea. He has a different pre uh, pre preferred reading. Um, but um, fine. And then he also talks about how we don't actually say all this to the witnesses. We say parts of it. But this last piece, everyone needs to say the world was created for me. That's going back on the first reason. Adam was created alone in order for us to say the world was created for us um, and to teach. The, the fact that Adam was created alone and each of us, the world was created for us, that's an extension. That's part of that same teaching that uh, that murder, that killing one person unjustly is so, uh, is so horrific. Right? It goes back to this idea that the whole world was created for each and every one of us, or the equivalent on the Marisha. Um, and actually the Rambam, we're not gonna look at this inside, but the Rambam, when he cites our Mishnah, most people say that that line of, of uh, is like this nice homiletic thing that we don't actually say to the witnesses. But the Rambam includes it in the text of the warning to the witnesses, uh, along the same lines as the Yad Ramah, that part of the warning to the witnesses is the world is created with one person. That means each of us has to feel the weight of the world on our shoulders. And when we look at other people, and we, you know, we do harm to them or, or potentially kill them or testify leading to their death, we've destroyed a whole world. That's a central part of the teaching. And again, according to that, given that this Bishvili uh, Nivra Olam idea is closely tied to, well, yeah, so let, 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 before we get, let's, let's look at one last point um, in, the, in the Maharal um, before, before we finish. Um, actually, no, let's look at the Marsha. If we only have one more, let's look at the Marsha. Who also is going to interpret this line? He says, "Weren't all species created alone?" Humans are political creatures. Right? Humans function best in a community. So it's even more surprising. Even though animals were also created, like uh, you know, a male and a female, and that's it. Humans should have been created more because. They have a greater need for community, which is a fascinating idea about human nature, worth reflecting on another time. Also, it's really weird um, because animals, whatever, there's no prohibition of incest. But humans, the world was created through incest because Adam and Chava had children and their children mated with each other. Right? So that's that's incest. And the world had to be created like that because, because of this idea. That shows how powerful this idea is of creating one person first instead of creating, I don't know, 20 humans and having them not commit incest. No, it's worth having the world be founded on incest in order for the world to uh, more fundamentally be created uh, to, to create one person, to create other regional first. That's, again, a powerful idea here. And um, he doesn't like that interpretation, but that's the Femara. He has a slightly different interpretation. What does it mean created singular? means Instead of creating male and female at the same time, Adam was first created and then Chava. This will tie into what we see next week, questions of gender around Selim Elkim. So hold, uh, hold your thoughts on that. But now, just to come full circle in the issue of race, uh, the Marsha is going to complicate this a bit. Adam was created alone. That's the image of, of above, of God. Bitsuras Yaakov, who's Mustyukno, Yaakov looked just like Adam, who'd look just like God. Um, but Kusim presumably here means Gentiles, Ainan Suras Adam, Rakeshar Nivraim. They're just like any other creature, they're not in the divine image. Killing Akusi does not entail destroying the whole world. So again, uh, presumably stemming from the same Kabbalistic idea that some some humans have this divine image. Adam, Yaakov, maybe some people in the middle, presumably Avram Yitzchak too, but it doesn't apply to others. So even in this Mishnah, and again, he had the Gersa of Yisrael, so presumably that's what led him to this, but also that Kabbalistic idea of uh, superiority. Even in this Mishnah, we don't escape some, uh, some uh, having interpretations that limit this idea of Tzalem al-Kim to, uh, to Jews. There's a lot more to discuss here. The Gemara discusses this and explicates it a bit, and there's commentaries on the Gemara. There's more to do. Um, I think we're already over time. So I think we'll just, we'll have 
some questions now for, uh, for a few minutes for those who want to stay. Um, and I guess I'll start by looking at some questions in the, uh, in the chat. Um, okay, was the ontological schema of Tamil Kim transformed through eating the Eitz Hadas? So um, we didn't see that in the sources today, but last week one of the sources, uh, I think the Chizkuni quoted the Zohar as saying that something like that happened, uh, that there was some, that, that Tamil Kim only was for Adam. After that, there was the fall, and we all lost that. So that's definitely a possible, it's an interpretive possibility, although it does say that Adam uh, uh, fathered Shays, Bidmuso Kitsalmo. So it sounds like Shays continued Adam, but uh, maybe continued the divine image, but not, not fully clear. Um, fine. And right, uh, Nissan, thank you for mentioning, right, Rabbeinu Tam, classic sheet of Tosos throughout Shas of what, whether Adam means all of humanity or just Jews. And this ties in a bit to, uh, to the text of Adam versus Adam here. Uh, that's true as well. Um, and yeah, and um, another. Uh, 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 direct question, why do Kabbalists have such strong distinctions between Jews and non-Jews? I think, I mean, they give a lot of reasons for that, but I think the internal reason is that um, they have a strong account of how the divine image, or sorry, of how the soul is really a part of God, and, uh, and uh, you know, presumably Jews having different mitzvahs, really everything's a function of, you know, the divine ensoulment. So if Jews have a different set of mitzvahs and a different experience in the world, the way to understand that is as based on having a, a fundamentally different ontology of having a different aspect of God inside them rather than non-Jews who don't. And if you're a more of a rationalist, you say no, like, uh, you know, the Rambam, let's say, uh, fundamentally all humans have the same goals. For, for whatever reason, the Jewish people have a different set of mitzvot and extra set of responsibilities, but fundamentally we all have the same goal of coming close to God. Um, and it's not because, not because of soul. Um, so that's at least, that, that's, I think, one of the differences between uh, Kabbalists and, and the philosophers in Jewish tradition is this question of how much really derives from having a part of God inside us, and, uh, and therefore how much to draw stark distinctions between, uh, between uh, you know, Jews and non-Jews. And what's interesting is, you know, it, it, you know to what extent can, can race be overcome through something like conversion? That itself is a, an important question that also tracks along these lines, um, uh, but that's a discussion for another time. Any final Are questions? We, um, can I, can I interrupt you? Yeah, hi. Um, uh, you didn't actually talk about um, Jewish versus non-Jewish, soul versus... Well, you just talked about the Tzilam Elohim, which is very clear that we all have... Um, every human being today has a Tzilam Elohim. Well, um, that, that, that could very well be your view, but that is certainly no, no, not what, the view but, of some of the commentaries that we saw. Well, I'm saying Adam, man, seems oh, to have a Tzalem Adam Arishon certainly has Tzalem That's incontrovertible. Whether all humans today have Tzalem or not is, is at issue precisely among some of these sources. So the Kabbalistic sources we saw at the beginning say um, Adam Arishon had Tzalem but that only passed on to a select few and to the Jewish people. So in that view, it is, they, don't, they read both Mishnayos that we saw as Adam is referring to Adam Rishon, and our Mishnah, the second Mishnah, it's only talking about the Jewish people having Tzalem not others. Um, again, as I said, this is troubling to the modern ear and those who don't believe in uh, you know, Jewish superiority and whatnot, but, uh, but that is the view. That is the view of, of those Kabbalistic thinkers. Again, there's an attenuated version of it in the uh, Tveris Yisrael, but, uh, um, but yeah, that's, uh, those are, those, those, th that's what they're saying. Whether we, whether we like it or not, that's what they're saying. It's a fascinating topic. Thank you. Oh, sure. Thank you. Any other questions or, or reflections? Okay. I hope, I hope not everything is clear because there's still a lot, of, a lot more to look at here, and I, I encourage everyone to look at the handout. Um, but thank you all for joining. Next week, we're going to be moving to issues of gender, which also come up here, and I think there are some announcements uh, that Eunice wants to make. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for, for the share. Thank you to everyone else who joined us today on Zoom and on Drisha Live and on Facebook. Thank you for posting those questions. Keep them coming. Uh, don't miss out on Drisha's other fall classes that continue all week long. We meet again tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Dr. Shauna Strout-Schick, The Laws of Kashrut and, and Jewish-Gentile Relations. Dr. Strout-Schick will discuss the leniencies introduced in dealing with the prohibitions of visual akum by the Roshonim in light of the realities of medieval domestic life. So we expect it to be another intellectually and, uh, well, intellectual and thought-provoking class. And so I really hope you'll join us. 
If you haven't yet registered for classes, there's still time. For more information, visit our website, www.drisha.org forward slash classes. The Zoom, the Facebook Live, and the Drisha Live links are all posted there. If you want to catch up on previous classes, uh, this, including this class, will be posted in our audio library. So give me a day or two to get it up there. But you can just search for specific classes you're looking for, whether it's this class or another class, by keyword. And you can search by, by teacher name as well. Um, and thank you so much, Rabbi Zakir, for this really great class. I'm happy to have had this opportunity to learn with you again today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. And I hope to see you all same time, same place next week, and maybe even sooner in the rest of our online classes. Have a wonderful day. Be well.